We are back with the Get Your Go podcast. Josh here again with you today. Got a lot to cover. I'm going to talk about the Eagles-Cowboys Monday night game. Then going to preview uh, the Thursday night game tomorrow, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals. Then officially, Richard Sherman signed a deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What does that mean for the Bucks moving forward? How does this help them? I'm going to give you my top five teams right now in the NFL. Brief uh, college game, I'm going to go over Virginia and Miami in the ACC, since that division is now wide open. And then I'm going to finish off with some baseball, because these final uh, five or six days are huge, big games. Yankees, Blue Jays, Phillies, Braves. Tampa Bay Rays, Houston Astros, Padres, Dodgers, an LMVP conversation, a lot uh, to get into today. So let's get started with the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, Monday night football game. Very simple. Uh, really, from the first play on, it was domination uh, from the Dallas Cowboys to the Philadelphia Eagles. Opened up with a huge pass uh, to C.D. Lamb to set up an easy score for a touchdown. And it was easy rolling from there. It really was. I saw a great uh, Dallas performance to me. Kind of a vintage, uh, classic Dallas performance where they ran the ball more than they passed the ball. That looked like the Cowboys of old, which they would do. They had 41 rushing attempts. Uh, for 160 yards, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles really could not stop them. And Dak Prescott was efficient from a pocket. 21 completions on 26 pass attempts uh, as well uh, for 238 yards. Took a few sacks. Wasn't great. QBR pass rating was great of 143. But the Philadelphia Eagles had a tough time go, uh, tough time getting it going. Uh, credit the Dallas Cowboys because they were on the field 10 minutes more uh, than the Philadelphia Eagles. They were able to control the clock, uh, control the line of scrimmage with their uh, ground game as well. Uh, they ran 20 more plays than the Eagles, which is huge. Keeps your offense on the field, keeps your defense fresh, uh, hurts Philadelphia. Uh, they doubled them up in first downs, uh, 27 uh, for Dallas to Philadelphia's 12. Uh, much more efficient on third down as well. Uh, so they just thoroughly outplayed uh, Philadelphia uh, right from the start. Philadelphia uh, couldn't get anything going. Uh, their only points in the first half uh, was a fumble return that happened in the end zone because they backed Dallas up. So uh, Fletcher Cox took the ball right from Dak Prescott in the end zone, uh, which was their lone touchdown. The offense couldn't get anything going. And the first half and in the third quarter, they already found themselves down uh, 27-7 to after a pick six uh, from Trevon Diggs. Uh, then after that, 27-14, to and it didn't get any closer uh, from there. Eventually, Dallas got the lead back up to 41-14 to and 141-21. to So this defense, again, I've been saying uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, is much improved. Uh, from last year. Uh, do I think they are world uh, beaters? No, but the takeaways have been huge. 
they had two uh, yesterday or two Monday night, two interceptions. One was a pick six. That was big. They confused uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, he threw great, you know, 326 yards, two touchdowns, but the two interceptions killed them. Uh, his kind of inability uh, to lead, uh, I think, is huge as well. The other thing I don't see from Jalen Hurts is a great pocket presence. Saw this quite a bit Monday night where the pocket flushed and his eyes I didn't go downfield to sort of make a play with the ball in the air. It was, you know, tunnel vision, trying to run the ball. And uh, he was able to evade sacks, you know, only was sacked twice. Uh, but a lot of his runs that he had uh, were for minimal game, uh, only 35 yards, nine rushes, only a long of nine yards. Didn't get much going on the ground at all. Uh, which is huge because to help out a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who I don't think is great, they need a good running game to really balance it out. Uh, I'd say most of these yards is 326 uh, came because they were so far down that they, all they had to do was throw the football to try to get back into it. But they were 0 for 2 on fourth downs again, uh, which is big when you're trying to come back. Those are plays. You need to convert as well. Uh, and then also the penalties doesn't help their cause as well. They need to play much more clean. Very undisciplined game. 13 penalties they took on Monday night. Accounted for 86 yards. I was surprised uh, because I know flags were flying all night. But usually when you have 13 penalties, you're looking at 100 or more yards. Uh, 86 is still a lengthy amount, but not as bad as it could have been. Uh, but to me, the big takeaway uh, from this game was the Dallas Cowboys and how much better they look right now than the rest of the division, than the rest of the NFC East. Uh, to me, they are clear-cut favorites, uh, no doubt about it. After this game, I think you can kind of hand them the NFC East division, uh, because even though they're not perfect, Dak Prescott, to me, has been amazing. Uh, borderline uh, top five quarterback teetering there at like five or six, at least for me, from what I've seen, he's been great. And this defense is much better. And when you take a look at the other teams in this division, you have Washington, who I was really high on their defense uh, to start the season. They're ranked 31. They are not good at all. They can't stop anything to save their lives. It is not a good look at all. From the Washington football team, I thought this football team would be good because of their defense. It would help their offense out, but that is not the case. The defense needs to get something going soon because they have a ton of talent on that side and right now are playing extraordinarily bad. Philadelphia Eagles, uh, to me, they do have a good defense, uh, but to me it's their inept ability on offense. Uh, playing decent teams such as the 49ers and now the Cowboys, I don't think they can beat uh, good teams. I don't think Jalen Hurts is the guy. And you see it now this year, last year, uh, with the Eagles and the way they play, I just don't know. I know you bring in a new coach, new people. I just don't know that, you know, is it still a culture thing? Because Jalen Hurts was still there 
uh, last year and you saw some of these players there, I just think they really do need a clean, uh, fresh start. This is a full rebuild. Don't think Jalen Hurts is the guy. I think it's going to be a long season for Eagles fans. And then the Giants. Uh, p- terrible, terrible start for them. 0-3. They just uh, basically have given up two wins, which it could be 2-1. and one, But they gave it up uh, to the football team and then also to the Falcons. Uh, last week, Daniel Jones, to me, uh, it's time to give him the axe. Uh, figuratively, uh, guillotine him uh, from the New York Giants and just let him go. Uh, to me, his time is up. Uh, Saquon, his time is up. You have a lot of money invested in there, into him. I wouldn't give Daniel Jones a big contract. To me, you have good wide receivers and the Darius Slayton, uh, the Kenny Galladay, the Evan Ingram, the Sterling Shepard. Uh, but they need a new quarterback, need a new running back, and need a new offensive line. A lot of pieces, and they still need help on this defense as well. So a lot of work to go into there. So with all that being said in the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys are the clear favorites. So to me, they're getting a top four spot. Uh, Personally, I think it will be number four. I think they're much improved. I think I said uh, nine and eight, 10 and seven uh, that they would be this year. I think uh, it's improved. I think 11 and six, 12 and five is what I see from them. But when I speak of the division winners, who I think will be uh, the Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, the Los Angeles Rams, or even, you know, the Cardinals or 49ers, they're not better than any of those teams. So, of course, the division winner will get the four spot and will probably play one of those NFC West teams down the road, uh, barring injuries or anything uh, crazy. Uh, but to me, Dallas is the weakest uh, divisional winner uh, so far. They look improved. I think they can contend. But just when I've seen, from what I've seen from the other teams so far, uh, Dallas is still not there yet. Now, looking ahead to tomorrow night's Thursday night football game, Jacksonville Jaguars, Cincinnati Bengals. To me, I'm just going to say it, I got the Cincinnati Bengals winning this one. Uh, Jacksonville has not uh, been good. Cardinals kind of gifted them a few points uh, last week with the kick six and then the ref and the weird missed punt attempt. So they definitely got helped there, but that game shouldn't have been that close. You know, they've been blown out by the Texans and beat pretty bad by the Broncos. And the Cincinnati Bengals have surprised me to me. Should be 3-0. and We're looking at, uh, they could be 3-0, and but, you know, three straight interceptions from Joe Burrow against that Bears team did them in. They beat a good Pittsburgh Steelers team uh, last week, or I should say good Pittsburgh defense uh, last week. They're in up the building on offense, I think, is going to plague them now from start to finish here. So par offensive line and quarterback play. But the Bengals have been good. I like their offense a lot. I know a lot of people were saying they need to draft an offensive lineman. They need to protect Joe Burrow after what happened last year. And I was not on that train. I said, Jamar Chase, he's the best wide receiver in the draft. Close friend of Joe Burrow. 
They'll have the, the connection still and it'll work out. And so far, I have been right about that. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have been great. Joe Mixon has been a good running back. This team has good chemistry and they're playing well. And they're going to handle the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. You're looking at a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who's thrown more interceptions and touchdowns, seven, seven interceptions uh, to five touchdowns. Not a good line at all. They really can't get the running game going as well. Carlos Hyde, James Robinson haven't been great. Uh, so to me, it's kind of an easy game. You know, it's a rematch. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, uh, rematch of the, uh, what was it, 2020 uh, National Championship between the Clemson Tigers and the LSU Tigers were, you know, LSU uh, prevailed. That team was too good. Of course, led by Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase again. Of course, it'd be cool if Travis Etienne was on there, kind of the two big dogs on each team going against each other. But Jacksonville has a lot to figure out. Uh, a lot of errors on Jacksonville's side. Uh, Urban Meyer has to do a better job coaching and helping his team put his team into positions uh, to win, you know, I thought, you know, going in, this was definitely a rebuilding year. Jacksonville would probably not even sniff the playoffs, but I didn't think they would be this bad. Uh, I think, you know, just from the look of their schedule uh, and the way they've played so far, this team will probably hold a top three draft pick again in the draft. You look at their division where they play uh, the Titans twice, you know, they play the... Uh, NFC West, so they already play the Cardinals, but they still play the Seahawks, Rams, 49ers. Uh, they play the Bills, the Colts uh, twice, the Patriots. I mean, I just don't like uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars schedule. It's going to be hard for them uh, to get wins and build on huge positives. I know in losses, you can still glean some good things that you've done. Uh, and I think that will be the case eventually so far this season in Jacksonville. Uh, but right now... That is not it. I want to see Trevor Lawrence uh, more poised, not turn the ball over so much, and I want to see a running game going. I want to see uh, more goodness on offense right now than defense because that will eventually uh, help the defense out when the defense isn't constantly on the field. But I expect a big game tomorrow from Joe Burrow, from Jamar Chase, from Joe Mixon. I really don't think this game will be close either. Cincinnati seven and a half point favorites. I like them to cover that and definitely beat Jacksonville by more uh, than one touchdown. I know this would be a huge win uh, for Trevor Lawrence to kind of beat Joe Burrow, uh, kind of have a huge first win here in the NFL. I just don't see it happening. I'm rolling with the Bengals. Go Bengals tomorrow. Now getting into some recent signings in the NFL. The first is Richard Sherman signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I love this signing. I do love everything about it. Me, personally, I'm probably the biggest Richard Sherman fan. He was my favorite player all the way until... Patrick Mahomes was drafted. Love Richard Sherman. Love the cornerback uh, position. He kind of paved the way, I think, uh, for these cornerbacks in the modern era for them to play the game. 
Uh, I know Deion Sanders and, you know, all-time great uh, cornerbacks, but the modern era, the way I see the game played right now, Richard Sherman was kind of the first one in elites. I know Darrell Rivas was the year before him, Antonio Cromartie, but Richard Sherman was the true... Uh, uh, interception man back-to-back seasons with eight picks had more interceptions uh, than Darrell Revis also talk the talk you know which we've seen now uh, by the Marcus Peters by the Jalen Ramseys he is kind of the model no players had more interceptions since 2011 uh, than Richard Sherman uh, he's at least had one interception in every season he's played except for the 2018 uh, season. I mean, it's just great. 10 years and he's had 36 interceptions. And 10 years, you know, Darrell Revis only had uh, 29 uh, interceptions and had no more uh, than six in one year. I know, of course, Revis Island, uh, but Richard Sherman was far superior in the way he played than Darrell Rivas. And so I like the signing. Yes, I'm not saying that Richard Sherman is the Richard Sherman of Seattle, you know, by 2012 to 2015, uh, Richard Sherman where nobody was throwing his way. I know I saw him targeted and, you know, picked apart in the Super Bowl by Patrick Mahomes. He is older uh, as well, but he's a veteran which I think is great, and they're not relying on him to be the number one starter right now. They need his help uh, because of the injuries right now. No Sean Murphy Bunting, no Jamel Dean. But their number one quarterback is Carlton Davis. He's healthy, but this is a young group uh, back there. You know, Jamel Dean, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, Carlton Davis are all, you know, 25, 26 years or younger. And you have Sherman, this veteran. 33, who's one of the best who can kind of coach them as well. Not play every snap. Of course, he'll play a lot more right now with Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean not there. But incorporate them back into the lineup with Richard Sherman. I think he'll have a really uh, strong secondary. I don't think he'll play this week. Richard Sherman says he's still a week or two from being game ready. I would have loved to see him go out there against Bill Belichick and the Patriots on defense. Maybe still if he suited up. One snap, I would like to see uh, just on there, even if it's garbage time, because I don't think this game will be closed either. But no, I really do like the Richard Sherman signing. Richard Sherman even said Tom Brady reached out to him, gave him a call, and said, you know, this was the best offer that he had and for a chance to win, and I agree. Uh, you have the Seahawks calling, the 49ers calling, the Panthers Realistically, the team to give you the best chance is the uh, Buccaneers. I know you have familiarity with the 49ers just being there. Uh, and then the Seahawks, uh, what a return that would be after kind of the exit that he had. But I think the Buccaneers, uh, this is a big win for them moving forward. Definitely think he'll be helpful uh, for this secondary and winning some games for them. Then you had Josh Gordon siding with the Kansas City Chiefs. And 
we all like to make a big deal now about uh, Josh Gordon, but I'm over it. I really am over uh, Josh Gordon and his antics and his uh, marijuana and his dope issues that he has. I really am sick and tired of it. I am. Uh, I was a huge Josh Gordon fan and a fan with the Browns, uh, but he just has so many issues, uh, so many demons. He's kind of like, you know, John Jones in the UFC where he was, uh, no, I'm not going to compare accomplishments here because John Jones is one of the greatest ever, uh, but he just has so many off the, off the octagon issues. And Josh Gordon has so many off the field issues that we never fully uh, realized his talents. He's never played a full season of the NFL. Uh, two years, or he actually didn't play uh, three years in the NFL. I don't believe he played 2015 or 16 in this past year, 20. So three seasons he's never played. Uh, 2018, 2019 played for two, two different teams. In one season, and you have to remember now, this guy is 30 years old. He's no longer, uh, you know, the 23, 24, 2013 uh, Josh Gordon Pro Bowler, All Pro, led the league in receiving yards when he only played like 13 games uh, with like 1,600 yards. This is not that Josh Gordon anymore. Is simply is not him. Uh, he's not that guy anymore, and he can't be that guy because uh, football was, after that season, never a priority to him anymore, which is why he had all those issues off the field. Now he's signing with the Chiefs, and I know the Chiefs want wide receiver help because they just have Travis Kelsey at Tyreek Hill, and they don't know if they can fully rely on the Demarcus Robinson uh, the Byron Pringle, the Mecole Hardman, who I like, are all speedy. And I think they want to bring in Josh Gordon in there. I just don't know if he'll stay healthy, or not even stay healthy, stay active fully for the next 14 games uh, that they play. And to me, there is bigger things the Chiefs uh, need to worry about. To me, it's not the offense. They're putting up points. Yes, Patrick Mahomes has to limit the turnovers, and so does Clyde Edwards, a layer. But to me, it's not a matter of talent on the offensive end. It's the talent on the defensive end. I know the philosophy is, you know, we just want to run it up on our opponent, and, you know, hopefully our defense won't allow 40 points if we're scoring 40 or 45. I don't think Josh Gordon is that extra element. Uh, to get you there, he's going to have to be incorporated into the game plan as well. Uh, but I don't see this signing helping out the Chiefs as much as I see the Richard Sherman signing helping out uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I wish Josh Gordon would uh, help them out, but I just don't realistically see that happening. Now... Another thing, the Lions, the Detroit Lions cut Jamie Collins. He's been released. They were looking to trade him. But sometimes when you say, we're going to trade somebody, not giving him any playing time, kind of scares off suitors because why not just wait for them to cut him and then they can 
reach a deal with a free agent. Now he can sign any team. He's going to make $8 million, uh, from Detroit this year, no matter what. Uh, so I don't think he'll have any huge offer. Uh, but, you know, in the two games he's played this year, 10 tackles, uh, one for loss, a fumble recovery. Of course, he got a reduced role because they're trying to bring in younger guys, you know, make this team younger. Uh, Jamie Collins with a decent linebacker uh, for the New England Patriots had a great role and the defense over there. So I still think he can be useful, maybe even move him out uh, in the later stage of his career to a like outside linebacker, uh, sort of Clay, Matthews, Clay Matthews-esque, uh, to just rush the passer as well on certain downs, give the defense a break. So I still think he can be a solid player, may even wind back up uh, with the Patriots. I know Bill likes to take in foreign players uh, like him. So... That might be the route uh, for Jamie Collins to go. But I definitely think he'll reach a deal uh, with the team and can help a team out. Now, I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NFL so far. Now, this isn't just reflected on a record. Because if it was, I would have the... Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos, the Carolina Panthers, in my top five. I do think they are good teams, but I do look at you know who's Denver played, and I'll discredit some of that. Las Vegas, I still want to see if they're truly uh, contenders as well. And Carolina, without Christian McCaffrey, I want to see how they look. So these are my top five teams in the NFL right now. Number one. The Green Bay Packers. Isn't it funny how a couple of weeks can change a script for a quarterback in the team? First week against the Saints. They got demolished 38-3. Worst you know career loss ever for Aaron Rodgers. Media next day talking about, oh... Is this done for the Green Bay Packers? Does he even want to play? It's over for him. Two interceptions, one in the red zone. He doesn't do that. He doesn't look engaged. Doesn't look like a leader. I know I mentioned some about his leadership status, uh, but I've been mentioning this uh, for a while as well. But you had people buy in, you know, concern for Packers. But I said, you know, relax. Uh, Really, I don't think the Green Bay Packers are really going to struggle. So now... You know, you have these past two weeks, uh, beat the Lions on Monday night, just beat the 49ers on Sunday night with this great 37-second comeback win with no timeouts, great passes to Devontae Adams, and now the Green Bay Packers, you know, are Super Bowl contenders again. Uh, They're favorites to reach the NFC Championship game. I mean, all praise the Packers for how great that they are. I mean, they've really just made so much progress in the past two weeks. That's what was... I mean, come on. We all know the Packers were great from day one. Uh, You're all going to have bad losses. I didn't blow up the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year because of their 38-3 loss to the New Orleans Saints. Losses like that happens. It happens to everybody. What are you going to do about it? And I know the Green Bay Packers are going to come back, and they look great. 
uh, as well. Aaron Rodgers is great. Devontae Adams as well. Aaron Jones is looking like one of the best running backs in football at the moment, flying behind a good offensive line. This Green Bay Packers team is rolling. Number four, the Buffalo Bills. Their offense finally woke up last week. I saw the Josh Allen I wanted to see as well. Uh, Stephon Diggs in the whole wide receiver company. But one thing I am happy about is how improved they are in defense. I believe uh, they're a top five defense in terms of total yards allowed. Uh, so this defense to me has been great. They spent a lot of draft capital on this defense. Uh, so it definitely is helping them out right now. Number three, the Arizona Cardinals. Why? To me, they've been just so electric on offense. They really have. Kyler Murray, uh, to me, is playing so good. Uh, If we're looking at just these three weeks, Kyler Murray is the new Russell Wilson. Can't believe I'm saying that. I'm not taking in whole careers here. I'm just taking in three weeks. Again, very small sample size, uh, but Kyler Murray is doing Russell Wilson-like things in terms of uh, evading defenders, running out of the pocket, making it so difficult for defenders to stop him, and it really has been sensational uh, to watch him play the game of football. Well, of course, I've been saying he needs to cut down on his turnovers. He kind of throws some risque uh, throws, but he's been great. It seems like he has a connection with every wide receiver on this team is what you need, which I will soon talk about with the Rams. But he does. He has a connection going with DeAndre Hopkins, with A.J. Green, with Rondale Moore. I mean, this offense is clicking. And to me, I've seen... Spurts in this defense where they look good. Spurts where they've been bad. Uh, you know, you had Chandler Jones' great first week, and he hasn't done anything since. You had Byron Murphy's pick six last week against the Jaguars, even though the week before on the Vikings, he got dusted a few times. Uh, so I want to see his defense tighten up. But overall, they've been fun to watch. I believe they're number two in terms of total offensive yards uh, gained. They have been tremendous on that side of the ball. Number two is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Even in a loss, they don't drop much. Why not? Because they are still the reigning, defending Super Bowl champions. That's what they are. And to me, this is the same Tampa Bay Buccaneers team I saw last year. That went 11-5. and Great offense to me. This offense is better this year than they were last year. Tom Brady leading the league in touchdowns. He's second and uh, total passing yards. He is the whole package. Uh, the Antonio Brown, the Gronk connections, Mike Evans are all tremendous uh, wide receivers. This front seven is good. Of course, they've seen injuries to Pierre Paul and a lot of his secondary, where they have a great rushing attack, but the secondary is torched, I believe, their last uh, in terms of passing yards allowed, not total defense. Uh, that's something they need to work on, which is why they're not number one, and which is why they lost. But still, fully healthy. Take them one-on-one with anybody. I'm taking the Buccaneers. But one team that looks really scary is 
the Los Angeles Rams. And now, you know, before the season with the media, there was a mixed bag around the Los Angeles Rams. Um, a lot of people uh, thought that, you know, this defense is good. Rams will be good. Uh, they'll contend. Uh, but is Matthew Stafford the guy? He's a choker. He doesn't appear and we can't trust him. And some other people said, you know, he's going to be great. He's going to win MVP. I said he's going to win MVP. I said Aaron Donald's going to win defensive player of the year. I said Matthew Stafford is great. I said he's a top six quarterback. Uh, number six, I believe I put him at. Got picked on for that. And now I believe right now in the NFL, he is a top five. Just through three weeks this year. Small sample size, I know, but he is a top five quarterback. There's no doubting it. He's been a uh, player of the week, NFC player of the week, uh, two times so far. Week one, week three. To me, so far, he's been the MVP of the league uh, in terms of efficiency, accuracy, a uh, ton of passing yards, nine touchdowns, which is one behind uh, Brady. The connection to Cooper Cup is special. Right now, it is working. This defense is working. They get you off the field. They get the ball in the offensive hands where they can take shots uh, to Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson uh, down the field. Aaron Donald is all over the place. Jalen Ramsey in his hybrid role of playing more in where he can blitz, get after screens, make tackles for losses. Uh, he has been phenomenal. Los Angeles Rams are the best team right now in the NFL. Now, I'm not saying they're Super Bowl uh, bound, they're Super Bowl worthy. I'm not unanimously picking them as the best team. Like a lot of people in media are saying that, hey, you know, right now it's Packers and Rams at the best teams. Will not go that far. That's a little blasphemous uh, to say after three weeks, I won't go that far, but I will acknowledge how good the Rams are. And that my pick, you know, Buccaneers and Rams could be an NFC championship game, you know, with MVP. Uh, what's his name? Matthew Stafford at the game. So those are my top five teams right now in the NFL. The Green Bay Packers, the Buffalo Bills, the Arizona Cardinals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the number one Los Angeles Rams. But don't get it twisted. With the quarterback rankings through three weeks, right now I'm going to give you my quarterback rankings as well. Number five is Matthew Stafford. Uh, there is no doubt about how good that he is. Uh, right now, I mean, this is a guy who I thought was always great. Now in a system that fits him, uh, we're just seeing him improve. Uh, that's how good that he is. Has the highest uh, QBR in the game right now. I mean, Matthew Stafford is a top five quarterback. Number four, Josh Allen. Again, he's been good, but he hasn't been great last week. Was he Josh Allen? To me, I give him a step above Matthew Stafford just because uh, his kind of dual threat abilities where he can take off with a ball and run in a way that Matthew Stafford cannot run. Uh, Josh Allen, huge arm as well. The accuracy as well is his talent. 
Aaron Rodgers at three. Did move up the needle a little bit to me because of his great performance against the 49ers, uh, but Tom Brady uh, was still great. Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to put Patrick Mahomes uh, right there at two. He's been good, 76 QBR, uh, but some careless turnovers that I'm not used to Patrick Mahomes seeing. Uh, has him at two and Tom Brady at number one. He's still the best clutch leader in the game. There is no doubting Tom Brady. But to me, there's just so many good quarterbacks out there, even outside of a top five. Dak Prescott has been phenomenal. Kyler Murray has been phenomenal. Derek Carr as well is leading this team, leading the league in passing yards. Justin Herbert's been great. Russell Wilson, I can't, can't discount him. And that's just in the top 10. When you get outside of the top 10, Kirk Cousins has had a solid year. Uh, con artist Kirk still calling him that because where there's a will, there's a way for him to lose games and this team's ability. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, you know, Lamar Jackson, a lot of talent in the quarterback pool with a lot of games this weekend. Be talking about on my next episode. Now moving to the one college football game tonight. If you're a college football, uh, actually no, the college football game is tomorrow, my bad. If you're a college football advocate, need to watch it. Uh, this could be a middle of a pack game for you between Virginia and Miami. Uh, SEC, uh, or my bad, ACC uh, showdown in the Coastal uh, Division. Miami, it's their first uh, conference game. Whereas Virginia has just lost uh, two in a row in conference play, uh, big to North Carolina and Wake Forest, losing by a 20 points in both games, so a combined 40 points. Whereas Miami's been hot and cold; they've kind of struggled all year long. I expect another struggle from them. Uh, the quarterback for Virginia, Brennan Armstrong, to me. Really strong, 1,700 yards already, 13 touchdowns to three interceptions. Whereas De'Ara King definitely has not been as good as that. More interceptions and touchdowns, only thrown for three touchdowns uh, so far in four games. He struggles, he's kind of been hobbled. So I expect a good game uh, from both these teams. In an ACC, you know, it's kind of wide open now. Uh, you have Clemson, you know, at two and two, one and one, you have North Carolina State, Louisville, Wake Forest, all ahead of them now. Uh, Clemson no longer controls its own destiny, is no longer the class of the ACC or a dominant program. At least this year, maybe they can retool next year, but this year the door is shut on Clemson. Uh, there is no coming back, especially. With the schedule that they play, you know, they win out and win their next eight games. And, you know, they beat a ranked opponent in Wake Forest. And that's it. To me, that just doesn't move the needle uh, much for them. They have a lot to work on uh, moving forward. It's just sad that, you know, one year, no Trevor Lawrence, no Travis Etienne. And, of course, a bunch of other Duck players on offense and defense move on. And I thought another really strong recruiting year from Clemson. And it just hasn't panned out yet so far. Now moving on to the MLB. What's going on there? Well, 
to me, a big loss for the New York Giants or San Francisco Giants, depending on how long he's at. Uh, Brandon Belt fractured his left thumb on the 10-day IL. I think this is big because uh, he's batting 274, uh, 29 home runs. He's been really good. One of these veteran presence on the San Francisco Giants team. And, you know, leading the team in home runs, has 59 RBIs, has been great. Tremendous first baseman as well, uh, defensively. Uh, so, hopefully, this isn't a big deal. Hopefully, it is a 10-game thing where he can be can be back uh, by the ALDS. Hopefully, they can clinch the division without him and not be forced to play that one wild card game. Uh, where it's, you know, looking between the Dodgers and the Giants. Giants have a nice advantage right now, two games up, but still six games to play. Uh, there is still time, uh, or five games to play, there's still time to lose out on that. Then, also news in the MLB, but San Francisco, actually, my bad, the St. Louis Cardinals have won 17 straight games and officially secured a wild card berth. Now I'll say this, winning streaks in any sport are difficult. You know, it's basically impossible to win 17 in a row in NFL. Uh, sometimes, you know, we'll see 8 in a row, 9 in a row, 10 in a row. Very rarely do we see like a 15-0 and 0 start or anything uh, like that in, you know, uh, NBA, I think the longest is around 29 or 30, uh, somewhere around there. Uh, you know, you had the big three with Miami Heat do it, and I believe it was eclipsed by the big three of the Warriors. So you have uh, those wins, uh, but you do have some days off during a stretch. You don't play as many games as baseball. So 17 straight games in baseball is huge, especially considering the Cardinals and not even how dominant or projected they were. They weren't even projected to make the playoffs this year, and here they are securing a wild card berth on a 17-game winning streak, longest winning streak so far of a season. You know, you look at the great Dodgers team this year; they couldn't do anything like that. Uh, the Giants and all the games they've won, it's just not happened. You know, we saw the Yankees and the 13 uh, games a few weeks ago, a month ago, uh, but to me, that does not compare to the St. Louis Cardinals, whereas now they've clinched it. Nolan Arenado's been great. Uh, Paul Goldsmith, Wainwright, Tyler O'Neill. I mean, this whole team is playing as a team. They're really good. And to me, they could be a threat playing the Dodgers or a D- Giants on this kind of 17-game high. Who, who, who knows how much they'll win, but that is awesome to see the St. Louis Cardinals win 17 in a row. Go from 71-69 and 69 Basically, a 500 team. And now they're at 88 and 69. Better than any team in the NL East. Uh, You know, if they were in the uh, AL division, they'd still be right there. You know, with the Yankees, you know, same record as the Red Sox. Better than the Blue Jays. Right there with the White Sox. uh, Better than the Mariners. Uh, the A is almost there with the Astros. So this team 
is really good. It's time to start appreciating uh, them and what they're doing because this is a legitimate team who could possibly have a major upset come October, uh, I believe it's uh, 6th, is the NL uh, wildcard game. But what else do you have on tap ball tonight? Yankees, Blue Jays, I believe the Blue Jays are the Yankees are on a seven-game winning streak where they've catapulted to the first wild card spot, hold a two-game lead on the Red Sox, two and a half on the Mariners, and now a three on the Blue Jays. This would be huge uh, to put it uh, to four and four games to go. Insanely big game tonight. The Blue Jays know they really can't lose this game. They get, everybody got gifted with the Red Sox losing to the Orioles last night. But big game for the Yankees. Last night, huge win. John Carlos Stanton with another home run. Four games in a row for him. He's been terrific. Aaron Judge has been terrific as well. And tonight, I believe it will be a pitcher's duel. I really do believe that this could be Garrett Cole's last game pitch for the season, depending on if he win or not, and he basically clinch a spot. Garrett Cole going against uh, Jose uh, Barrios, the best pitcher for Toronto, the best pitcher for the Yankees. Uh, this will be tremendous, I believe. It will be low scoring. Offense will be hard to come by. Uh, both teams want to win. Toronto probably a little bit more desperate. I want to see Garrett Cole uh, play good. You know, I go from a Yankees fan who didn't even predict them to make the playoffs. Now they're doing it. Of course, I want them to make the playoffs, even though I don't think they're that strong on the team and are kind of all over the place. But still, this has been an exciting AL race uh, to watch in the wild card spot between the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and the Yankees. But it's not over yet. Big game tonight. Can Vladimir Guerrero uh, help his team out in the great offense that they have? You also have the Philadelphia Phillies and the Atlanta Braves. uh, Only teams left in the NL that need a clincher spot. All spots are already taken, except there's one more left, and that's the winner of the NL East. The Central is set. Milwaukee's won the division. St. Louis is a wild card. The West, Giants, Dodgers, Clinch, the rest are eliminated. So it's really Phillies and Braves. Phillies had a huge chance last time to make up some ground. They're three and a half games back. Lost to the Braves, but they play again tonight and tomorrow night. Aaron Nola has to pitch great tonight. But, of course, Max Fried, he's going up against, has been great for the Braves. They don't win this one. They are out. Philadelphia needs... This one, Bryce Harper needs it. He's been great this year. Talking about him for NL MVP, uh, but I'll get into that in just a second. Then another great game, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Houston Astros. To me, basically an, the ALCS matchup from last year and could be a preview of another one this year between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Houston Astros the Rays walked in the winning runs uh, last night. Of course, the Rays really don't need these wins much. They've clinched their division. To me, they've probably already clinched uh, first place in the home card or home field advantage in this 
AL if they can just win another game. Uh, but you still want to play them, play good against a quality team like the Houston Astros. Then you have the Padres and the Dodgers to finish up. Ultimate choke job from the Padres who started off so well. And they officially now have a losing record at 78-79. and 79. It's not going to help that Max Scherzer is pitching tonight. And will run them out of a building. The Padres started off good against the Dodgers. But recently, a few months, they have not been able to hit to save their lives. Fernando Tatis has been good, but not great as he was to start the season. And to me, you know, the NL MVP is going to Bryce Harper or Fernando uh, Tatis. But, you know, to me, Tatis has had the overall better year, uh, especially better first half where Harper's really come along in the second half. But to me, the MVP could possibly be two players that don't make the playoffs. Harper could get his team in the playoffs, which would be an insane, great feel-good story rebound for Harper and the Phillies. To me, he gets his team to the playoff. He's a leader. You give him the MVP because he's had such a great year. You know, if they both miss the playoffs, uh, I'm going to remember Harper for not really performing in this last series against the Braves. Tatis has had a great year. Uh, you'll probably, we just need to give it to uh, Tatis uh, to finish up. But that's a race. Phillies won the division, make the playoffs, give it to Harper. If they both miss, let's give it to uh, Tatis. So that's it, folks. That's a lot covered for MLB, for the NFL. Uh, what do you think next tomorrow's Jaguars-Bengals Thursday night football game? Do the Jaguars pull off the upset? This has been Get Your Goat. Bye, everybody.